Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Gravity Special. Leadership. It's a special edition. It is a special da, da, da. edition. We normally release these, you know, on uh, Tuesday, and we normally release one a week. Uh, but we have been uh, weirdly prolific lately. Maybe well, let's be clear. You and pandemic. Matt have been weirdly prolific. That is true. That is true. We we have been doing a lot of these uh, interviews. But, um, but uh, maybe it's the pandemic. I'm just thinking about this now. But maybe, you know, everybody's at home, so there's more availability. We're, you know, at home more. And so it just feels like, oh, yeah, we could record a podcast episode. Or eight anyway, today. Or Let's eight, you know, eight yeah. Today. yeah. And so we've got tons of these uh, in the queue. And so every once in a while, though, we will release uh, a couple episodes per week. This is your second episode this week. Um, big time that, week. It's a big, big time, time week. This is, yeah. this is, uh, this is it. a treat. <laughs> it's a treat. <laughs> First week of August is, uh, is we're nailing it's a it. Special, yeah, it's a special yeah. week. Well, anyway, it is a special episode because it's uh, an additional episode. But um, we we uh, talked with um, David Funk, pastor in Canada, about some of his, and I'll let him, I won't steal his thunder, we'll let him tell his own story. Um, but he talks about his own experience of suffering um, and uh, I thought it, it worked well with our Desert Stories series, mm, yeah. uh, which we released earlier this year. Um, but it also worked well in our Spiritual Formation series, which this will be the last episode in that series, um, because he talks about the ways in which, very similar to the uh, episode with KJ Ramsey, but he talks about the ways in which suffering, his own suffering, um, when he um, 
consented to it, sort of allowed himself to move through it, um, mm-hmm. was actually a mysteriously kind of a place of, of grace for him. Like there was a participation in the sufferings of Christ. Mm. Um, so there's this, I don't know, you, you have to be careful, I guess, the way you talk about that, because you don't want yeah. it to feel like we're saying that suffering is good because it's not. Yeah. Um, but there is a sense in which uh, we can walk through it as the way of the cross with Jesus. Um, and there is a sense in which our suffering uh, we can allow that to be a place of encounter uh, with the Lord in yeah. His sufferings, and it can produce good stuff in us. Yes, it can. and there's a there's a radical acceptance, right, of of mm. trusting that God meets me where I am and yeah. meets me in my suffering. Yeah. That uh, that does something really good for our faith. Yeah, even though it's not something that we would ever choose to walk through. Yeah, particularly yeah, that's a good way of putting it. particularly David's story here, right? It's, it's yeah, painful, painful yeah, this. Things. Yeah, really painful stuff. Um, so anyway, it's a it's it was a really helpful uh, interview. Really um, grateful for his time that he shared this with us. So enjoy, enjoy uh, this this special week of August first. August week. August the first week of the August. first week of August is big time <laughs> podcast week. Big time podcast week. All right, friends, we'll uh, talk to you soon. Peace. David, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you guys. David Funk is a Canadian, a pastor, a good guy. Uh, what, what do you say, Patriot in Canada? Do you? Do, do no, you man. We don't really say Patriot. No. What the do you say if you're has a totally different flavor up here than it does down there? I think. Yeah. So what is it? Give me. If I wanted to come you, you God as save a, the Queen as a com- Canadian through and through, how would I say that? <laughs> okay. Say that question again. How would I refer to you as like a Canadian through and through? Oh man, that's a good question. Patriot would not be the word. <laughs> um, we kind of we would thing. prefer something more like self-effacing and. Um, we're, we're, we're a little bit, um, mild about our patriotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not very nationalistic. We define ourselves by what we are not compared to other nations. That's sort of our identity. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so, All right, I don't know. Well, that's not much of an answer, but there it is. No, but like, uh, okay. So I just did some snippets about you. Definitely not a Canadian patriot because those don't exist. But mm-hmm. uh, how would, uh, what do you spend your time doing? Introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Uh, let us know a little bit about you. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm a lead pastor of a little, little uh, church called Niverville Community Fellowship in a small town south of our province's capital city, Winnipeg. And uh, so I've been here for about a year and a half. Uh, I've been lead pastoring for about 15 years. Um, so that's what I, t- I spend my time doing in terms of ministry and work. Yeah. Um, I'm married to Kendra, um, father of some kids. We'll get into that a little later, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I like to I like to ride bikes. I'm building a go kart with with my son during this weird COVID season because you know anything to help him find something to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, come right. from a farm myself, and uh, yeah. love reading. Yeah. Um, gaming. Yeah. Great, David. So you and you, um, so you're born and raised in Canada. Yeah. And 
you know, every podcast we do, we invite people to reach out to us and sometimes they do. And you're one of those people. And mm-hmm. we, you were listening to our desert stories uh, series about different issues and speed bumps that the pastors and leaders have had in ministry. And you reached out to kind of share your own story. And then we had a, a long phone conversation um, yeah. where you, where you uh, shared that with us. And so we invited you to come on the podcast and maybe share a little bit. This is sort of the epilogue to Desert Stories, or maybe part two, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just maybe start with this. What was it about that series that pricked your heart, caught your attention, and provoked you to reach out to us? Yeah, good question. So what I appreciated about what you guys were doing there was uh, just just the idea of, of having a forum, a chance to name some of the different uh, difficult things that we experience uh, in ministry in general, um, but then also just as human beings, right? Hmm. Uh, it ain't an easy life, and anybody who tells you otherwise is probably trying to sell you something. Hmm. So, um, yeah, that, that's really what caught my heart. I was like, oh, we, we could talk about this. Um, hmm. That's freeing. So that's, that's what prompted my, um, my, my reaching out to you guys. Yeah. And your story is a little different maybe than what we heard before, whereas before pastors were discussing difficulties in uh, ministry or relationships in the church or even vocational Mm -hmm. questions, um, a lot of your desert happened uh, in your family. Um, That's right. So can you you set that up for us? Like, um, how do you want to get into this? Yeah, sure. Well, let me just tell you the story of of our family, I guess, in a nutshell. Um, So... Yeah, so we've got two kids who are living. We got a boy and a girl. Um, so that's we're a family of four at this point. But our two last children, um, both were born and then passed away at a young age. Um, so our we had a daughter Rachel who's born in 2010. She had complicated health conditions that was diagnosed uh, before she was born. So we knew from the get go we'd we'd have a short mm-hmm. time with her. Mm. And so we spent a good chunk of our, we had, we ended up having 14 months with Rachel and a good chunk of that was spent living together in a pediatric hospice uh, in the city we were in at the time, Calgary. And uh, yeah, so then she passed away at the age of 14 months. And there was of course a journey of grief and resolution, I suppose, for some years after that. And then we got to a point where we were like, well, Maybe, maybe we could have a, a fourth child and, and wouldn't it be great if we could uh, end that chapter of our life with, uh, with a healthy baby, right? Well, she's amazing. So, of course, we did um, lots of praying about that. And, um, yeah, and then we, we found out Christmas morning, 2013, uh, that we were pregnant with our, with our fourth kid. And uh, so... We just went into that whole experience with some trepidation, but a lot of just hope and expectation. Everything was good. Everything was mm. great. And yeah. uh, his, his name was Elijah, Elijah Cohen. And uh, so he was born in August of 2014. And uh, long story short, at the age of seven days, like um, it had been going super well. Healing was returning to our home and our hearts in some really great ways. And then at the age of seven days, it was like something, he's not doing so good. And so off to the hospital, um, he turns out he'd had a, a whole pile of mini strokes and um, that just damaged his brain. All our interventions um, 
did not help him turn the corner. And then at the age of 10 days, we uh, took him off of life support mm. and uh, stayed with him for those hours that it took him to die. And so that's, uh, so he, he died at the age of 10 days. And that was then the initiation into some years of desert um, mm. that to some extent, you know, we carry with us still. Yeah, that's uh, that's the story in a nutshell. Yeah, mm. thank you, David. Yeah. So, at the time when you lost uh, your daughter's name again, yeah, Rachel, Rachel, and um, Elijah. Elijah, when you when you lost them, you were you a pastor of a church? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I was pastoring during both those seasons. Um, with Rachel, we were we were in a church. Uh, I was pastoring a church in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And uh, then with with Elijah, it was a different church that we'd actually just begun in uh, here in Winnipeg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What uh, What did it? What What you mentioned? You moved into a desert season after that. What were some? What was that like? What were indications that you were entering sort of a dark period? Mm-hmm. How, how did you? How did? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So. It was very different. The, the, the experience of, of grief after Rachel's death was almost an entirely different thing than our experience of grief and, and loss after Elijah's death. Hmm. Um, the two are very different. And when I think of a season of desert, I think mostly of what it was like after our son died. Um, hmm. and, and what were indicators that that was a desert season? Um, was first of all the the intensity of the grief uh, with Rachel. It had been somewhat expected, hmm. heart ripping nonetheless, but somewhat expected. And we'd had her lifetime to prepare for that. Whereas with Elijah, the expectation was entirely the opposite. And then it, you know, our lives just took this brutal U turn. So there was that was just a real intense nature of that loss. Uh, there was trauma. Uh, PTSD kind of stuff mm-hmm. going on with that, right? Yeah. Like you're, yeah, it's, it's good. It, it can do that to you. Sure. Um, yeah. And then mixed in with that, and this is probably the, the flavor that really made it desert was the spiritual crisis that this um, provoked in us. Um, it was really hard to figure out like, how is God in this? Yes. What's his role when something crazy like this happens? How are we supposed to understand what we mean when we say that he's loving or present or good, given that this has now occurred in our lives, just when we thought, you know, he was bringing something beautiful and good into our lives for the healing of our hearts. How are we supposed to figure this out? So there was a real spiritual crisis um, that that provoked. And that was sort of probably the the main feature of the desert. Yes, because you were telling yourself a story about Elijah. He yeah. was he was sort of the happy ending to a really difficult mm-hmm. season, and because you didn't have the time, you didn't have the fourteen months or even the twenty months to prepare like you did with Rachel, mm-hmm. just to let her go. And I know this has a sad ending, and we can enjoy what we can enjoy, and then you know let go as as we need to. With Elijah, there was an abrupt ending. Yeah. And the story you were telling yourself didn't end up being true. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, yeah, I have not lost children, 
but I've I've experienced that too, David. Where mm-hmm. I I feel like I I can I'm connecting dots. I, I'm telling myself about what God's up to and what his what what's going on, and then I find out abruptly or suddenly that that wasn't it. Right. That I was not connecting the dots in the right way. Yeah. And it can be uh, disorienting and heartbreaking. Yeah, the disorientation is uh, can be really intense when that kind of stuff happens in our lives. Yeah. So then, you're there. You've got all these questions about: Is God good? Mm. How is He sovereign? How how is He present in the midst of this catastrophe, this tragedy? What are, what are some of the things you had to work through? What are some of the questions that you asked, and what did that wrestling? sound like and look like for you? The biggest question was how can we trust God? Um, yeah. You know, we, we don't like whatever his role is, whether it's he did this or whether it's he allowed this, the emotional impact is mm. basically the same. Right. So um, here we are, we're, we're, you know, traumatized. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the impact on, on my wife was extreme. Um, like, yeah, it's just a terrible thing to carry. So then like, how can we trust him? Like, how can we really like with on the, on an emotional level with our hearts and trust ourselves into the the quote unquote care of a God who, you know, in whose providence, something like this can happen. Yeah. Um, that was a terrifying thought. And in some ways it's still the thing that we have to keep working at. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you're here. It's five years later, mm-hmm. right? You're still pastoring yeah. a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're wanting to talk about this, so yeah. maybe maybe not to move too past too quickly past that. But like, what what has been some of the what has been some of the refinement? What has been some of the the sifting and the and the testing? Yeah. What do you know now, five years down the line, even if they're the different questions that you didn't know in 2015? Yeah. There's, there's two things, two main things that come to mind. One is the centrality of the cross um, for knowing God. So, I mean, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm pretty sure I'm Orthodox. And I've always known, you know, the cross is, 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 is the thing. It's, it's, it's at the center. Yeah. Um, but what I, I mean, one thing that I've had to stake my life on is the centrality, the complete centrality of the cross for knowing God. If we want to know God, we don't look at um, the circumstances of our lives. We don't try to read his goodness or his character off the circumstances of our lives. Um, or rather we shouldn't, we, we often do. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a nice story to be able to tell, but it doesn't mm-hmm. work. So the centrality of the cross to me has come to mean that the, the place where I will most know God, know his heart, know who he is, is in the image of a, a crucified, humiliated Jewish man in Palestine outside the city gates in a garbage dump. That's God. And there's mm-hmm. something about that 
that reveals his heart to us in a more complete way than anything else does. Um, yeah, so, so the cross is the revealing of the nature and the heart mm. of God. Mm. Um, our God is actually a, a suffering God. Yeah, and I, I hear in that too, um, David, the, you know, I, <clears throat> I heard Dallas Willard say, um, you know, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. Mm. He died on the cross so that we could join him there. Wow. I remember that when I heard that, it just resh- it shifted something for me, like on an abstract level, like a theological level. Mm-hmm. But I, I hear I hear some of that in what you're saying is that like Jesus makes a way for us to embrace the cross mm-hmm. and, and that we can sort of embrace it as the way of life. There's a there's a prayer that we pray uh, on Fridays in our in our daily. Let me see if I can find it here. There's a prayer we pray in our daily prayers uh, on Fridays that says, Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Yeah. That's a little bit of what you're talking about there is that there's an identification through your suffering with Christ on the cross. There's a, there's Mm -hmm. a, there's a connection that you make that you're making there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's absolutely. It you. becomes an experiential knowing, right? Yeah. Where, um, yeah, through through experience, I know God. Yeah. Um, in a different way now than I used to, and the God that I now know is much more cruciform than yeah. He was before, and and my understanding of things like, like, what do we mean, really? in a world that is as broken and riven as this one is, what do we mean that God is love? Well, it looks like a cross. What do we mean that God is powerful? It looks like a cross. What what do we mean that Mm -hmm. God is sovereign? Our understanding of that has to begin on, you know, on this garbage dump outside the gates of Jerusalem and the son of God taking the brokenness and the sin of the world into himself to such an extent Mm -hmm. that he dies under its weight for us. Yeah, David. As you're as you're talking, I'm I'm just realizing, I I, I agree with everything you're saying, and we've said mm-hmm. as much on this podcast. We've done whole yeah, podcasts of, of what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but I'm reminded again of how that's not really the God I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ben, when you you were saying this Dallas Willard line about yeah, uh, can you can you say it one more time? Yeah. My, this my I'm probably paraphrasing, but my memory sure. is that Jesus didn't die on the cross, so we wouldn't have to. Jesus died on the cross so that we could join him there. Right. And so, Matt, when you made your observation about this is not the God that I want, <laughs> Ben, when you said that internally, I said, who wants that? <laughs> like, who's going to come to this right. God, right? Like, yeah. this is not a yeah. very, yeah. But yeah. He's, he's, not a God, he's not a God you can brand yourself with. Yeah. And he doesn't that's have a great marketing that's department. The, that's the issue that I'm, I'm realizing is that many of us, uh, adopt Christianity as a lifestyle brand. Mm. Our identities are as are only as deep as our marmot North Face clothes. Mm-hmm. And 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 what you're talking about, the picture I get, David, is like the suffering of uh, Rachel and Elijah, and the way that uh, shook your family. It like ripped the surface brands off your life. Yeah, that's correct. And and left 
only what was core central uh, to who the funks are, mm -hmm. which was then exposed to all of the worst of the cosmos. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it ripped all of that off. And then the, the project, the faith project, the faith work of the last five and a half years has been um, finding our way back into trust. Yeah. And we, the route to that is, is again through the cross. We just keep fixing our eyes on the cross and that's a God, that's a God that's worth trusting. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. So, so maybe, maybe unpack that for us, David. Like, I know how to trust a God that's an extension of my affluence. Mm. The God who, uh, when I'm hungry, I buy something to eat. Right. When and when I'm tired, I take a melatonin and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. When I'm hot, I turn on the air conditioning and cool off. Right. And when I'm thirsty, I just go get the uh, unlimited amount of water I have that comes through my tap. Yeah. Um, but like this, this. Uh, so I learned to trust my my agency and power over the world, and then I project that onto God. And that's the kind of God that's easy to trust, right? Mm -hmm. the God that does things the way I do things. But what you're describing is not a God who does things the way I do things. Mm -hmm. Who, even though he has a quality with God, he doesn't utilize it. Mm -hmm. but, but he empties it. He empties all of that uh, agency and becomes uh, Jesus, the Jew, on a cross. Yeah. So how? So I know how to trust then the God who can make things happen, get things done can can do do stuff to stuff the way I can. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you trust a God like the one you're describing? The one that yeah. reveals. Well, I mean, first of all, there's there's no like if you and I are talking to people that we serve, um, we'd probably say like we you know, we can't figure that out for them. That's something that that they that each of us has to enter into experientially and um so there's no book or podcast formula. Yeah. or formula that's going to just you know do the job um but the direction the, the way that it's worked for me um it is you know throughout the new testament we are called to follow jesus on the way of the cross to follow jesus means to pick up our crosses and to follow him. And that means several things. It means, it means to embrace the political and social cost of um, owning Jesus as our Lord instead of any other of the claimants to Lordship that project themselves into our lives. 
Um, but it also means to uh, embrace, I suppose, I say this tentatively, but to embrace the suffering that comes our way as broken people in a broken world. And so the picture that I have in my mind that helps me is, is that there's actually a, a it's, it's a painting by a French a Frenchman whose name I will uh, badly mangle, William Adolphe Bergerot, something like that. Uh, so he painted this at the end of the 19th century. It's called Compassion with an exclamation mark. And uh, it's a picture of, of Christ crucified. And um, it's quite up close, quite detailed. And then beside Jesus on the cross, you see another man. And he's carrying a cross slung over his back. And he's got his arm around Jesus. On The one arm is on the cross. The other arm is around the figure of Christ on the cross. And he's leaning his head into Jesus's chest, just leaning in to to his Lord on the cross. And so when I think of learning to trust God, that's the picture that I hold. I, I who must carry a cross in, in the form of the death of my children, know a Lord who has borne all that suffering on the cross. And so I lean into him as I carry my own cross. And as, as I do that, I have come to trust that there's a really mysterious alchemy that happens in the middle of our suffering hmm. by which the Holy Spirit transforms us to become like, guess who? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> which, means, which means a suffering kind of person in whom the fruit of the Spirit is still present. Hmm. So that's, that's how I think of it and picture it and yeah. journey through it. I just looked up that painting, by the way. As oh, you're yeah. Uh, it's, it's powerful. Hmm. especially that it's named compassion with an exclamation point. <laughs> like that's yeah. almost like a pop pop art sort of, uh, right. you know what I mean? Like a, a kind of a kitsch kind of way to title something, but uh, the art, mm. the art, the art, the piece itself is, is powerful. <laughs> so David, maybe as we close, um, you know, speaking to people right now, we're in a fairly crazy season of life. You know, yeah. um, individuals go through what you're describing all the time. And it's rare in, in modern society for a collective suffering to be happening mm -hmm. um, just because of how the variety of our experience and the relative affluence of our culture insulates us from a lot of collective suffering. But we're living through a pandemic and a social political upheaval. I wonder maybe for those who are listening and connecting their story to yours with their own personal um, resonances of what suffering looks like for them, could you maybe give us some hope or even just some testimony, witness, bear witness? Like, what? How, how is David in 2020 different than David in 2015? Hmm. What, what's, what is the fruit of the Spirit that either you or others around you have been able to see? that you think has been birthed in this crucible? Hmm. 
It's a good question. And for that, for that question, I, I wish that I had my wife here because she knows me and is more perceptive about most of me than I am of myself. Um, but I can tell you what I'd like to be true. And I think <laughs> okay. actually, I think actually is true. I mean, one, one of the consequences of journeying with Christ through loss or suffering of any kind is the formation of endurance. We don't think that endurance is very sexy and uh, we don't like to develop endurance. It sucks, but it is one of the critical gospel qualities. Like yes. if you don't have endurance, you don't really end up um, at home. You won't make it. So Paul prays for his people. I think it's in Colossians for that all the, the power of God would be at work in them to form endurance. Mm. Um, and he thinks it's great. <laughs> he thinks it's beautiful. So um, that's, that's one thing that I think of both for myself and for anybody who's going through a difficult time right now. And, and as you mentioned, so many of us are experiencing uh, loss on, on whatever level. Uh, God is at work. And one of the things he's doing is creating endurance and he thinks it's beautiful and it is, it's one of the critical qualities that takes us all the way home. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That, that's one thing. I, I think the other thing that I, that I think of is, um, you know, I think it's second Corinthians four, Paul talks about being a, a fragile clay jar as a minister, as yes. a follower of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, he's, he's crushed, but uh, I forget exactly the pairing of his, his phrasing there, you know, um, yep. uh, for, you know, abandoned, not forsaken and, and uh, put down, but not destroyed. And then, and then at the end of those series of comparisons, he wraps it up and he says, um, always carrying in the body, the death of Jesus. Mm so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies, which is an astonishing thing to say. He's talking yeah. about mm -hmm. participating in our bodily existence in the sufferings of Christ. And he's saying that when we do that, when that happens, when we do that, the, the resurrection life of Christ is also made mm -hmm. manifest in our lived experience of faith. Mm. And, he, and he's saying that that's actually how it works. If we, whether we're leading in the church or whether we're loving our families, want resurrection life to happen, mm -hmm. the way to that is through participating in the sufferings of Christ in whatever way, whether it's in uh, sharing the suffering of those who are around us yeah. um, or embracing our own experiences of loss. Um, yeah. That is the way by which resurrection happens in our lives. Mm. Mm. And I, I hate that, you know, I, my, my mind goes back to your phrase, that mysterious alchemy earlier, mm. David. Um, but that, I think, I think the thing that we find so difficult to believe, especially as, as maybe North, North American Christians, Western Christians, perhaps like, I think the thing we find so difficult to believe is that, that, that there is an actual participation in the resurrection as we participate in the sufferings of Christ, that that mm -hmm. is not pretty words, you know, that explains away, you know, hard things happen. Like those right. aren't just pretty words uh, that help us feel better. We're actually touching the life of God. And, yeah. and the people who know it are the people who, who 
take the risk of believing what Jesus says about taking up their cross. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that feels to me like the choice that needs to be made. It's a, it's a harrowing thing. And you, you, you talk about it very well, David, as someone who has experienced this choice of in the midst of the, the terrible suffering that, that some of us go through, the choice to embrace it as a, as the cross versus, I don't know how you'd name the other choice, but like I, I hear in your story, there's a temptation to, to go another way. Oh yeah. Uh, to lose your faith, to, um, you know, to stick to a lifestyle brand Christianity and try to punch yourself in the kidney so you feel better. And, you know, <laughs> you know, like that kind of a thing, like there, there is a choice to be made here mm-hmm. and it's a choice that's based on trusting that that resurrect that a kind of life will come from this that doesn't come through fixing my problems or buying my happiness or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. right yeah um, yeah very much so there is a choice to be made in this and i think that's one of the things that uh, god is calling us to that choice all the time through life pandemic mm-hmm. or no but mm-hmm. in the middle mm-hmm. of this pandemic yeah. i don't have any answers for what God is up to or what his role is. I've got no idea yeah. except that he's there as a crucified God. Um, yes. and he's calling us to embrace that somehow and, and forsake the other ways that we might be hmm. tempted to go into. And, and there are many, the temptation is yes. strong, but it's yes. none of those things will yield resurrection life. None of them mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This makes me think of two things. One is, I, I think, one of the ways to summarize the American dream is mm. the promise of resurrection without crucifixion. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a crossless new creation that yeah. also doesn't have any of the character and hope and endurance and faith that a, that's a, that a cruciform resurrection has either. Mm-hmm. So it has a form of godliness, but denies its power, if you will. Yeah, bingo. Um, so that's the first thing I was thinking of when you're saying that. The second thing is I've thought a number of times, um, you know, we, uh, Ben and I were had the opportunity to be with some members, uh, older members of our church last night. Hmm. And uh, one of them was saying, hey, I'm in my 60s and, um, and everything that's been happening uh, around the conversation of race and racial justice. Yeah. This person just said, I think for the first time in my life, I can own that I'm a racist. Whoa. Uh, Good for him. Yeah, right. Right. But then there was a collective like, what now? Like, what, you know, what do you do now? And, and I've talked to a number of people like, like this, including myself, where there's this like new level of maybe awareness or conviction or wanting things to change, being able to name the things that must change, et cetera. But uh, I don't think I'll just speak for, I'll just speak for all white people. Because, uh, I, because you know, you can send the complaints to Ben at gravityleadership.com. Deal. Uh, but like, I think white people in general don't have the character for how to sustain long efforts to bring justice and peace and to stand against evil power. Now, Mm. many do, but I think in general, most white people are used to like throwing fits at the Apple store to get a new iPhone. Right, like we, yeah. you know, we 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 are we put uh, Delta Airlines on blast on Twitter, uh, and that's how we get them to respond quickly to some injustice we're experiencing. Um, so maybe maybe I'll rephrase. Many white people like we don't <laughs> have the endurance or the perseverance 
to fight something that's a 400 year long issue in our culture mm-hmm. in, in America and in North America. And so I, I wonder if David, maybe just to commend what you're saying here, I wonder if it isn't people who've been acquainted with grief, who know sorrow, who, who actually have something to teach us about what perseverance means. Mm-hmm. And in the face of a, in the face of an injustice that can't be resolved mm. so that we can have the character and perseverance in the face of an injustice that can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sound that rings true to me. Mm. I hope it's true. I think that's how God works. I think it's, it's, it, I mean, yeah, it's about all the things like um, systemic reform and, you know, getting proper governmental policies in place. But as far as the people of God goes, it's going to happen through those who are able to enter in with the suffering of others, regardless of their skin color. And then by God's grace, begin to understand that from the inside. Yes. Um, See, there's a redemptive quality of suffering with others. And I think that's the key. Like we, like if we want change, whether in somebody that we care about in our congregation or in our culture as a whole, it's Mm going to come largely as we suffer with others. Yes. Um, Not least because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. And that's how he's brought reform into our own lives. Yes. Yes. I mean, Paul, this makes sense of enigmatic and inexplicable comments that Paul makes, like in Colossians 1, where he says, I'm rejoicing in my sufferings because I'm storing up in, in my body the things that are lacking for you in Christ's afflictions. <laughs> I I, I it's just crazy. It's Well, yeah, it doesn't really fit our Protestant theology models, right? Because the, mm. uh, the atonement isn't lacking. But what Paul is saying is exactly what you're describing, David. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he's saying on the. I'm on the inside of the suffering, and it's on the behalf of the church that I'm doing this. Not mm-hmm. only for what it will produce in me, but for what it uh, creates in solidarity and in suffering for the church. Mm-hmm. So, um, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for yeah. sharing your story, connecting us to. I think what is most wrong in the world, um, but also connecting us to what is the hope of the world today. Yeah. Well, I hope I've been, yeah, I hope that's been helpful. I really appreciate what you guys are doing on Gravity Leadership. Keep it up. It's been a privilege to be with you guys. All right. Peace to you and your family. Thanks, Dave. Grace and peace. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. 
Catch you next time. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.